Father, this morning we want to hear from you. Lord, as we head into a time of looking at your word, I know that your word speaks to us loudly, loud and clear. And your word also says that in the foolishness of preaching, you reach out to your people as well. God, I pray that this morning the words that I will say, Lord, that they'll be straight from your heart to touch your people, to encourage your people. And God, and in these moments, Lord, I pray that our hearts would be soft, moldable. Lord, we would not be hard hearts would be fertile ground to grow, to be healthy. So this morning, I pray, God, that you would water your people with your word, with your presence. And Lord, we will give you all the praise, give you all the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You can be seated this morning. Thank you, worship team. Thank you, Melissa. Hallelujah. Well, we are on our way. For those of of you that have been with us over the last couple weeks, uh, through the book of Genesis, not moving real fast yet, but we will. We'll take it in some bigger chunks as we go. Uh, We talked about Genesis being a, a book of stories. And I started off the series telling my story. And if you were not here a couple weeks ago, I want to encourage you to uh, either get online or uh, talk to Rick Ebeling. And uh, Rick, just wave your hand here for a second. Um, He's got discs, right? Did you get them in the back? I left them there for you. They're in the back. And uh, we want you to listen uh, to that message. And uh, because uh, it just kind of gives you a glimpse into to what God is doing in my heart and to where God is taking us as a church, which is important. And we said last week that we, do, we don't want to just get back to the book of Genesis. We want to move forward with the book of Genesis. And we are encouraging you, I'm encouraging you to read the book of Genesis, to read the book of Genesis this fall. And many of you have already done that. And once you complete uh, your reading, I want you to sign the uh, the the board that's out in the lobby, and many of you have already signed it, which is really, really cool, really encouraging. And, uh, and so I had someone come up to me and said, um, and I won't say who it was. <laughs> he said, hey, I've read through Genesis probably 20 times in my life. I said, can I just sign it? And I said, no. <laughs> I want you to read it again. And so let that be a lesson for all of us. We want to read it again. All right, so last week we looked at the, the story of creation and the importance of, of creation as a foundation for our faith. And the focus of creation last week, we said, was on God. It was God in the beginning. It was God's word at the start of each day. It was God's joy at the end of the day. It was God's steps in the process. 
and it was God's rest at the end of the week and uh, how God gave us an example, some foundational things for us to consider. And uh, we looked at that last week. And again, our messages are online. If you, were, if you missed a week, we want to encourage you to catch up with us. But today I want to focus on God's prize creation. What was at the center of God's mind when he created the heavens and the earth? It was us. It was you. It was me. And that mankind. Mankind is at the center of the creation process. All the galaxies and all the universe are important. But what was most important to God was people. Adam and Eve and God's people that would come, the generations and generations. And that is why he created everything in the first place. Now, some people would be like, well, man, that's a really a prideful view. And I would say, no, it's not prideful. It's biblical. <laughs> and we can rest in the idea that God, he created us and that we can know in the deep part of our heart that God has always, always, always had us on his mind. And we see that uh, as we're going to look today at the story of Adam and Eve, and it's going to be kind of a part one of part two, and so we're going to take two weeks looking at Adam and Eve. But the key today I want you to walk away with as we look at this uh, story is that we have value. God has value, tremendous value on us, and, we, and because of that, we also have a contribution to give. So I want you to turn in your Bibles to Genesis chapter 1. Many of you have already read this uh, over the last couple weeks, which is great. And so it will be familiar to you. Some of you have read it for 20 times in your life, and it will be familiar to you as well. But listen to what it says in Genesis chapter 1. And we're going to read a couple verses here before we uh, dive in. It says this, And then God said, we're in the sixth day of creation, God said, let us make man in our image and in the likeness and let them rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air, over the livestock, over all the earth and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created man in his own image. In his image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Now it says there, let us make man in our image. Who was God talking to? Is he some sort of schizophrenic God that he talks to himself? Or is he talking to the angels, some people might say. Well, I don't believe God was talking to himself or to the angels because angels are not made in the likeness of God. He was talking to Jesus in the Holy Spirit. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. This is the first place in Scripture that we see a perfect triune God. And, and uh, very exciting when you study uh, the, the idea of the Trinity throughout Scripture. But it says, let us make man in our image. Now there's two keys to understand our place in creation. And it's found right here. The first one is to reflect God's image. And we're going to talk about that primarily this morning. But the second one I want to talk about just for a second here is that we were created to rule over God's creation. Ha, ha, ha. Right? Now, I believe that humans have rights. I'm not so sure animals have the same rights. And I don't want to step on anyone's toe. How many animal lovers do we have in the room? Let me just see. 
All right, okay, about maybe half. How many of you have, you might be an animal lover and still have pets. So how many of you have pets? Let me see, raise it up high. All right, wow, okay, I better be careful what I say here. <laughs> yes, I should. <laughs> Let me ask a question then, instead of just making it a statement. Do we have more rights than the whales and the dolphins? All right, good, I'm in good company. Yes, and it's because God said that's the way it should be. Now, we are responsible, though, to rule over, and we're responsible for God's creation. And the cool thing about that is that as we are responsible for the dogs and the cats and the birds and the everything else, we there's joy that comes our way when we take care of those things. How many of you love your pets? Yeah. Now, I'm not a huge pet lover. I'm going to be honest. And if you know me, I'm allergic to cats and dogs. And uh, that doesn't mean when I come over, I can't sit on your couch, okay? Um, you know, still invite me in, okay? But, uh, but I, you know, it, I didn't grow up with pets except a bird that my dad took care of and no one really cared about. But, uh, so I never really, I never had a dog or a cat to care for. And so I, it never kind of made a big deal to me. But I know, I see some of you guys with your pets and uh, the joy that comes over your faces. And, uh, and I've, I've talked with some of you about, you know, you care about the animals of the world, and that is God's idea that we are to rule over, to care for, and, uh, and it's pretty cool. Turn with me real quick to Psalm chapter 8. Psalm chapter 8, verses 3, we'll start there. This is, we were created to rule over God's creation, and I, but I want you to know that we have greater significance to God than the animals of the earth. It says, when, God, when I considered your heavens and your works of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have placed, uh, what is man that you are mindful of him? This is David asking the question. The son of man that you would care for him. So he's saying, look, I look at everything you created, and who are we, men, mankind here, uh, what are we? And then it says this, You made man a little lower than the heavenly beings, and you crowned him with glory and honor. You made him to rule over the works of the hands, over, over your hands. You put everything under his feet, all flocks and herds and beasts of the field and birds of the air and fish of the sea, all that swim in the paths of the sea. If there was ever a doubt in your mind, if God valued you, more than the animals, let me just say he does. Now, but what we want to focus on this morning is the idea that we were created in God's image to reflect his goodness in our value and our responsibility and really our privilege in that. So when it says that we were made in the image of God, let me ask a silly question. Does that mean that we reflect God's image? Does God look like us? No. John chapter 4, we see that God is a spirit. He's not, he doesn't have flesh and bones. Now, Jesus did, of course. He came to this earth and became a man. But there are four important things, four different ways that we reflect God's image. And I want to talk about those and the significance for those in our lives. So we'll just dive in. The first one is in our personality, our minds, our will, our emotions, what we think about. Now, each of us are different in the things that we care about, our emotions. Some of you are more 
um, emotional than others. Um, just in my family, uh, you know, I've got two kids. Reagan and Logan are very different from each other and in uh, the way that they act and the way their personalities are different. But we are all humans. And the fact that we can feel means that we are in, made in the image of God because God thinks, God decides, God feels. Now, again, I don't want to step on anyone's toes here, but I don't believe that animals think, at least like we do. <laughs> animals have instincts, conditioned responses. Now, some of you may think, my dog uh, does think. Well, I, I, and, and, you know, has a mind of its own. How many animals have a, their mind of their own? Okay, several of you would say yes. Well, I guarantee you, though, that your dog or your cat or whatever, your bird, whatever, does not look at you and wonder what you are thinking. <laughs> I don't think, at least. We're made different, okay? But we were made with a personality. I love movies like Marley and Me, and I love the story of Garfield. But the reality is that animals don't think like we do. Insects don't decide. They have instincts. Plants, I mean, they, plants don't have feelings either. Although some of the plants you know, if I, that I've tried to take care of over the past you know, were sad because I never fed them and they died. But the takeaway I want you to know is that we need to take our personality and use our personality, each of us different, to reflect God's choices, God's heart, and God's thoughts in our lives. And when we do that, when we take our personality and say, okay, God, we're going to use it for your glory, that is how we live in the image of God. All right? And so the first one is personality. The second way that we reflect God's image is in our sexuality. All right, verse 27 there that we read, uh, let's uh, turn there, uh, if you're, you should be still there, but um, it says, so God created man in his own image, and really that word man is mankind, he created mankind in his own image, in the image of God he created them, male and female, he created them, male and female created in his image, God created both. Now, are there differences between men and women? Oh, yeah. Now, when we talk about sexuality, we're not just talking about the ability to have sexual relationships, but we're talking about the idea that we're different. We ha are different in the way that we're made, our composition. And there are studies, and, and uh, I'm not smart enough to to communicate all those studies, but we know that there are many, many differences in a, between a man and a woman. And the thing is, our world, the world that we live in today, many, many times tries to repress our differences. And that's not God's plan. We should rejoice in our differences because each of us, uh, our differences reflect God. And the cool thing is, we know that God is not a man. We see that in John chapter 4. God is not a man, but God is not a woman either. But God is perfect. And we were made in his image. And you could almost imagine two pieces of a puzzle coming together perfectly to create a, a beautiful picture. And that's God. The masculine side and the feminine side. 
And the takeaway I want us to, to understand is that understanding our sexuality helps us understand when uh, or who we are in God's image. And we'll talk a little bit more about that. But there's a third way we reflect God's image, and that's in our morality, our moral conscience. God said in the first creation um, passages, he said after the, at the end of each day, it is good. And that is a moral comment. And all throughout Scripture, we see God making judgment. And you know what? We have the same ability. We know what is good deep down inside of us. God has made us as moral beings. And because of our morality, because we understand that we, can, we, can, um, we know from right from wrong, it gives us a choice, a freedom, and it also gives us great, great responsibility. And, uh, and so there's morality in the equation that we are reflecting God's morality. And then the last thing, the last area is in our spirituality. Now, there's a lot of people that talk about human spirit or the fighting spirit or you talk about your passion or your drive for certain things. That's not what I mean when I say your spirituality. I believe that our spirituality is our ability to relate to God like no other being in creation. And that is a distinction. We are made in God's image. We are able to relate to Him. That means we can have a relationship with God. Adam and Eve, they walked and talked with God, and so can each and every one of us. And that really relates to our worship that we've been talking about the last couple of weeks, that our worship goes beyond our corporate setting here, but we live and we walk and, and wherever we go, our lives, what we value most is what we worship, what, what we um, give praise to, and our ability as individuals, as God's people, we are there's a spirituality that we are able to relate to God. Now, how exactly did God make us? How did he do that? Genesis chapter 1 gives a chronological view or a, an, an account of, of the different days and how things were, uh, were, uh, came about. But then Genesis chapter 2 gives a little more specific on how God did that. And so with me, if you look with me on Genesis chapter 2, Look at verse 4. It said, This is the account of the heavens and the earth when they were created. When the Lord God made the heavens and the earth, and then let's skip to verse 7 there, the Lord formed the man from the dust of the ground. Say, what? We were created out of dust? Seriously? Well, if you think that's bad, let's look at how the woman was created. Verse 22, all right? We see over here, it says that uh, there was no suitable helper for, for, uh, for Adam. Verse 21, uh, let's start there. So the Lord caused a man to fall asleep, and while he was sleeping, he took one of the ribs out of the man and closed it up. And it says, then the Lord God made a woman from the rib. It's a little bizarre, but that's how God created us out of the dust of the earth, and for the women, he created a, you out of a rib. How about that? How creative is God? <laughs> but in verse 7, the thing that brings us together, the thing that sets us apart, 
uh, from all other beings. Verse 7, back there, it says, The Lord God created man from the dust of the ground. And then it says, He breathed. He breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And the man became a living being. God breathed spirit into our lives. And so what we're made of on the outside, our flesh and bones, is not what is most important. Our bodies have value. We need to take care of our bodies. But you know, there was a study that took our bodies, like all the chemicals and all the things that make us up, and they kind of boiled them down into just, you know, this many atoms and this many, uh, you know, this much water, this much, you know, whatever other chemicals are in our body. And then they, they put a price tag on that. And you realize that if we just boiled ourselves down and our bones and all that, our value is pretty worthless. I mean, uh, maybe an hour or two of wage, and you could buy the contents of what makes us up. Isn't that it's kind of bizarre to think about? Someone did that. But who we are is not so much about what we're made of, but who made us. And you know, sometimes we beat ourselves up when we look at ourselves and we look at our bodies. And I just want to encourage you, and maybe, and as I was praying about this, maybe encourage those here that have a low self-image. Let's look at Psalm 103 for just a second here and let this be an encouragement to you. And, you know, I, you know, I think all of us can, can struggle with our self-image, but listen to what it says. It says, as a father, this is uh, Psalm 103, verse 13, as a father has compassion on his children, like all of us do. If you're, if you're a parent, you have compassion for your kids most of the time. <laughs> so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. It says, for he knows how we were formed. He remembers that we are just dust. As for the man, his days are like, like grass. He flourishes like a flower in the field. The wind blows over it, and it is gone. Whew. And its place remembers it no more. But from everlasting to everlasting, the Lord's love is with those who fear him and his righteousness with his ch their children's children and those who keep his covenant and remembers to obey his precepts. So I just want to give you permission, and I want to give myself permission not to be so hard on ourselves, not for you to not be so hard on yourself. God will pick you up again, no matter what you have done, no matter what kind of areas you stumble in. You were made out of dust, and God understands that, but he has tremendous value for you. He has breathed into you life, and he will pick you up again, and he will be your strength. Amen? Amen. I hope that was an encouragement to you. So anyway, God here created Adam in his image. And then he gave Adam three things to do. Three things he gave Adam, uh, not necessarily to do, but they each relate back to the fact that we were created and that Adam was created in God's image. And the first thing that God gave to Adam was a garden. Look at Genesis chapter 2 there, verse number 8. It says this, and now the Lord said, or now the Lord God had planted a garden in the east in Eden. And there he put the man that he had formed. 
After God formed and created Adam, he placed Adam in the Garden of Eden. Now, in verse 15, again, we see that, that the Lord took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden. Why? To work it and to take care of it. The Garden provided a God-given opportunity for Adam to express God's image, to express his personality. It was a place for Adam to be creative, to do things, to interact with creation. Just think about it, what it might have been like to name the animals, to spend time, in, uh, to, the opportunity to make decisions, to think, and to feel. It was a perfect opportunity for God. He got, God gave Adam a garden so he could express his personality. The second thing that God gave Adam was a command. Right after he gave, put him in the garden, he gave him a command. Verse 16 says this. It says, And the Lord commanded the man, You are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. For when you do, <coughs> for when you eat of it, you will surely die. What's interesting about this is that God, he gives Adam all this freedom to choose, but he also gives him an opportunity to express his morality. It's interesting. Choices, the freedom and responsibility. You know, what's interesting about that is that God, you know, he has commands for us. We are to obey God and we are to obey uh, his commands for us. But you know, I think it's human nature to think that when there are rules, and just think about your own kids for a moment. You, know, you create a rule for your, for your kids. Your kids think that you're withholding something good from them many times, don't they? And that's what Adam and Eve were like. They're like, all these things we can do, the good things. But then there's this one tree that we can't. What is God holding back from us? Well, it was for their good that they wouldn't touch that. And the same is true for us. And we need to listen to God's command. But there is a, that morality that was uh, placed in Adam, a place to exercise his freedom of choice right from the beginning. The third thing that God gave Adam was Eve. And I love this. <laughs> Verse 18, if, you, uh, if you're there with me, listen to what it says. It says, So the Lord said, it is not good for the man to be alone. I will make him a helper suitable for him. And that word helper there is not just like a servant or you know, someone to work. It really talks more about um, a completion, someone to complete Adam. I love the picture of that. It says, Now the Lord God had formed out of the ground the beasts of the fields and the birds of the air, just like he did us out of the dust. But he didn't breathe breath or spirit into the animals all right? He brought them to the man to see what he would name them. And whatever the man called each living creature, you know, his personality, Adam's personality being exercised there, uh, that was its name. So the man gave the name to all the livestock and the birds of the air and all the beasts of the field. But again, no suitable helper, a compliment for Adam was found. So the Lord caused the, woman, uh, the man to fall asleep like we read. And out of the rib, he took him. And then when... The, Man woke again. When Adam woke, he said, This is bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman. For when he saw her, he said, Whoa, man, 
No, no, it says, for she was taken out of the man. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united with his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. And they, the, the man and his wife were both naked, and they felt no shame. God gave Adam Eve to express his sexuality, to express it in a healthy way, to express their differences. Man and woman were not intended to compete against each other, but to complete or to, com- or to, um, to work together. Adam needed a helper, someone to complete him. See, by ourselves, we are not complete. And I know that there's some here um, that are single, and you're saying, yeah, I know, I'm not complete, right? And, 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 but I'll tell you this, God can complete you, and he can help you, but what's interesting about this is that man is not better than woman. Uh, a woman is not better than a man. Both were created in God's image. Different, but created in God's image. And so Adam was lonely. And so God put him to sleep, and out of the rib, he, he took him and created a woman. The bone of my bone, the flesh of my flesh. If you study that, and look into that. Maybe you've got some study notes in your Bible or you can get online and, and Google that. What that talks about is a wonder. When Adam first saw a woman, he was saying, whoa, man. He's saying, bone of my bone. There is passion in that. Flesh of my flesh. He's saying, wow. He had just named all the animals. And there was no suitable one there to help him, to complete him. And now he sees woman, he says, oh, this is incredible. And I just want to encourage those of us that are married to keep that wonder alive. That's difficult, and I understand that. But we, we need to work on that wonder. But there was a wonder that God get put in Adam's spirit at that point to express his sexuality. But then there was also that oneness, a completion, that they were one. And as I was studying this, it just was, I'd never seen this really before, that when you take a, a, a man and a wife and they become one, that's a picture of God. Both were created in the image of God. Male and female, he created them. And then they come together and there's that oneness. And I've, you know, I've preached at lots of different weddings and, and, uh, and boy, that just jumped out at me that when man and wife come together in relationship, it is a completion. It's, it's God. It's a picture of God. I thought that was really powerful. So let me wrap this up for us this morning. How can we understand our value and contribution because of the image that we have? Because we are created in God's image. How can we see the image of God in our lives today? So this is your assignment. I want us to ask ourselves, in regards to our personality, what action will I take or can we take to express our God-given personality? What does that look like in our lives, in our situations, in our work, as we deal with our kids? What actions will I take to express my God-given personality today? And you might want to write these down. The second question is this. What decision will I make 
to express my God-given morality. The fact that we have the ability to choose. We have freedom of choice. We were created in the image of God, and because of that, we have a morality. And some of us may be facing some moral situations where we need to express that morality, a God-given morality, to do the right thing, to make the right choice, not to fudge on the numbers at work, or not to cheat on a test, but to do what is right, no matter what, because that's who God created us to be. So our personality, our morality. What about our sexuality? Ask the question, what new way of looking at myself will express my God-given sexuality? Ladies, I encourage you to be female, to be feminine. Men, I encourage you to be men, to be masculine, and all that goes with that. And we could talk about that for a long time, but we won't this morning. But to express, what is, what is God calling me to do where I can express my given sexuality? And then the number four, oh, by the way, it was revelation to me why homosexuality is uh, not what God intended. D- d- when you look at the idea that a man and wife complete in, is a picture of God, two men or two women, it's not what God intended. And uh, just really powerful, powerful there. And then the last one is our spirituality. What am I doing every day to express my God-given spirituality? I am more than just my body. I am spirit. And every day, I believe, we need to be feeding our spirit man. The last thing I want to say as we close, and Melissa, you can come as we wrap this up. I wonder if we could look at ourselves, even though we were created out of dust or created out of a rib, even though we stumble and fall, could we understand our extreme value and then understand God's idea for us to contribute to our world. Could we say something like this, Lord, somehow can you use me to show the world what you are like? Because as believers, as we understand that we were created in his image, we are the best examples of what Christ looks like and our contribution to our world is to understand that we're created in his image personality morality sexuality spirituality and to say god could you use me to show the world what you're like okay that is a tall order there's some of us here that would say Boy, I've been failing in that area. If someone looked at my life, I'm not sure I'm reflecting all that much godly. I just want to challenge each and every one of us. I want to challenge myself that we have tremendous value, but we have a contribution to make, and people are watching. And we 
need to be mindful of that. So this morning, before we go, we talked a lot about image. But the first step for anyone that may be away from God is to just surrender your life to God. What that means is the fact that you know we are all we all make mistakes. We're all sinners, the Bible says. And we all fall short of the glory of God. None of us can make it to heaven on our own. There's nothing you can do on your own strength that'll achieve heavenly results. It's only because of Jesus that he died on the cross for you and and, uh, he took our sins. But we have a choice in the matter. We were created in his image with a morality, the good and evil, but we had a choice to either serve him or to reject his plan for our lives. And this morning, it's very possible that there are people here that have rejected God's plan. And I just want to challenge you that this morning, there's an opportunity for you to give your life to the Lord, to just surrender, say, God, I'm I'm finished doing it on my own. And at the moment that we call out to Jesus, it says that he'll save us. We call on his name, Jesus, save us. And he comes into our hearts and he cleanses us from all unrighteousness, the Bible says. This morning, if you want to do that, before we leave, I'm going to give you opportunity in just a second to do that. And we want you to consider that. But I also know that as I've talked, and even as I prayed before I started my message, we know that the Word of God speaks. And as we read in Scripture today and we looked at God's Word, it's very possible that God is speaking to you about a very specific area in your life. And I believe that God wants you to respond to those things. Maybe he's talking about different changes in your life, choices that you have been making that need to be tweaked, that need to reflect more of a godly outlook in your life. And I'm going to give you an opportunity as well to respond in a moment. But I want all of us, no matter who you are, to think about the fact that God wants to use you. God wants to use you right where you are. And I I challenge myself and I challenge each of you that you are created in His image and you can reflect God's glory and how important that is for others to see that in us. And so as we wrap up our time together, I want you to bow your heads, close your eyes so no one's looking around. I'm wondering in that first idea that God, He wants to save you, He wants to provide forgiveness to take away the sins in your life. I'm wondering, is there anyone here that would say, Pastor, I'm away from the Lord, and I'd like to renew that relationship? Just slip up your hand right where you are. Saying, yep, that's me. God, save me. God, help me. Right where I am. see any hands. But I want to just pose another question. The second thing is, 
as God has been moving and speaking, even through the foolishness of preaching, is God challenging you in some areas in the choices that you make because of the way God created you, that you have the ability to choose. There's great freedom, but responsibility. If you're here this morning, you're just saying, God is challenging me in some areas. I feel like you just slip up your hand. Yeah, absolutely. Awesome, sure. Yeah, thank you, Lord. And that's the beautiful thing about being in God's presence. He reveals stuff to us for us to work on. And I just want to challenge you, those that raised your hand and maybe those that didn't, to not just blow through these days, but to really reflect, maybe to write down what God is saying. Spend some time in God's presence and let Him work in your life. And then that last area. If you're saying this morning, Lord, somehow can you use me to show the world what you are like? Yeah, I know I'm dust. I know I'm just a rib. I know I stumble. I know I fall. But Lord, can you use me? If that's your heart, I want you to slip up your hand as well. And, and then we're going to all stand. Let's all stand together uh, now. Let's pray and ask God to touch us in these areas. This morning, if you're a guest with us, um, I'm, not, I'm just realizing that we forgot. We've got an information card, and if this is your first time, um, I'd love for you to fill out a card. There are information cards on the back tables on the back here. And uh, if you would, that would help us out. I forgot to mention it earlier, but to fill that out and uh, just leave it on the back table. We'll find it. Uh, there's pens back there. And we'd appreciate that just so we can follow through properly. Um, but this morning, whatever God is speaking to your heart, I just want to give you an opportunity to respond. Respond to salvation. Respond to the choices, the freedom that you do have uh, to tweak in your life. But to respond even to the idea that God wants to use you this week to reflect His image. And so, we're going to close a little different. I'm going to, I'll say a prayer of benediction, and you can uh, be dismissed. And uh, But you may want to stay, and you may want to come and just spend a moment at the altar. You may want to just turn around in your seat and, uh, and reflect on what God is doing, what God is saying in your life. And I would encourage you to do that. Don't, don't just run off unless, unless you have to. So let me pray. Lord, we thank you, God, for the way that you have met us here this morning. We thank you, God, that you are uh, ever pursuing us, that you are seeking us. You came to seek and to save that which was lost. And Lord, we just we know we're lost. And we need you de just desperately. I pray for those that are away from here, you're uh, in your grips, Lord, that they would turn to you, they would call upon your name. Lord, I pray for those that are dealing with situations, choices in their lives that are are difficult, that maybe areas of morality that they've uh, maybe slipped or, uh, you know, maybe they haven't uh, been reflecting your your image or your word in their lives. Lord, I pray that you would just help. Lord, I pray for those that are struggling, maybe even in their uh, sexuality. God, that they would, uh, that we would give that to you, Lord, and that you would help us to properly, in a healthy way, express our differences. 
And Lord, I also pray, God, for those here that would stand and say, God, I want to be used for your glory. I want to reflect your image. Let my life be an example to others. And God, I pray for each one that their heart would scream that. And Lord, I pray as we would go today that you would go before us, behind us, and all around us. In Jesus' wonderful and awesome name. Amen. Amen. You're free to worship. Spend some time in prayer. Melissa, if you would, stay. If you need to go, we understand. God bless you as you go. We love you. We'll see you next week. Um, And uh, remember, the bulletin has lots of things going on in there. But go in the grace of God. And if you would, if you'd refrain from talking uh, till uh, till you're out in the lobby for those that are going to stay and pray. All right? God bless you.